Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. And as you can hear, once again, I am your illustrious host for this episode. I am Sully, and I'm joined today with Ryan. Hello. Tobias. That's me. And our special guest podcaster for this episode, the always fabulous John. Hello, and yes, I am still alive. I couldn't think of an adjective to describe you, so I went with fabulous, but I guess alive. Yeah, that works pretty well, doesn't it? <clears throat> we always say bootyful. Bootyful. <laughs> he the is bootyful, John. Exactly. And, like, it's been a while since I've been on any of these podcasts, so, you know, I just want to reassure everybody at home that, yes, I still am around and still do things. Yeah. We did not bury him, as people have been asking. He is very much alive <laughs> and very much above surface. This episode, we're going to be talking about the 1989-1990 Devilman OVAs. Uh, but first, we have some convention plugs to start with. Uh, Third Impact Anime is going to be at Playthrough, which is a video game con, in March 29th and 31st. Tobias, I think you can tell us a little more about that one. Yeah, so uh, myself and Ryan and Edwin and Will, uh, a.k.a. the Midshelf Gaming Crew, uh, we will yeah. all be in, uh, in Raleigh there for that convention. It's it's just a two-day con there, that Saturday and Sunday. We're going to be providing a good portion, if not the majority, of their speaker content, uh, as we do, as Third Impact and now Midshelf Gaming are now known for, knowing way too much about nerd stuff. So yeah, if pretty you're much. Be, yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to be in the, uh, in the Raleigh area later in March here, feel free to swing by, come check it out. It's, uh, it's a fun little commission. We've been there the past few years. It's uh, not this huge overblown affair that most people think of when they come to the RCC for animazement, but it still is a nice little uh, you know, gaming-centric convention. Especially if you're a gamer. Like, there aren't, honestly, too many gaming conventions around nowadays. So, well, ones that are affordable or that actually do fun things besides just have press rooms. Um, this one actually has, like, board game rentals. It had an escape room last year. It had a bunch of indie developers come in and show off their stuff, and they were a lot of fun to play. As well as, um, like, dealers and as we mentioned panelists and a ton of a uh, ton of tournaments so it's going to be a lot of fun i'm actually helping uh extra life raleigh run a few uh, uh play through this year nice and uh speaking of uh the raleigh convention center one of our big cons we're actually going to split between two cons this year um both on memorial day weekend uh animation in raleigh north carolina and momocon in georgia so i think that like ryan you're kind of leading the charge with the half of us who are going to Momo, and then Austin's yeah. kind of leading the rest of us going to Animazement. So, uh, if you're if you're going to either of those, we're we're bound to be there. I know that Kotona Mitsuishi, the original voice actress for Sailor Moon and Excel and Excel Saga, is has been announced for a guest at Animazement. So I will be there with bells on. Yep. Yeah. Um, Marissa, myself, Will, and Edwin are going down to Momo. Um, we're going to be doing a bunch of panels there. I don't know which yet because we haven't gotten our list back, but we gave them pretty much all of the ones that we felt like doing and told them pick one or pick like seven and get back to us. At this point with cons, we kind of just hand them our panel repertoire and give them sort of carte blanche to pick whatever they want us to do for programming. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So that kind of covers the cons we're going to be going to, but um, how are the rest of you been doing? So, like, what are you up to? We'll start with you, Ryan. Um, I'm chugging away on mid-shelf gaming. Um, we're working on episode three right now, but due to a unknown illness that has been plaguing me for, like, two weeks, I haven't had the energy to edit. So 
finally, I'm on antibiotics, and I'm going to be sucking on a cough drop for the entirety of this podcast, so we're not interrupted with me dying into the microphone. Um, but other than that, I've been good, just you know, doing my thing. And you, Tobias? Yeah, kind of same old, same old. Uh, I'm still uh, at this point, just kind of uh, doing panel prep here, coming up for the upcoming uh, couple of conventions that we'll be at there. I've got a bit of a work to do on that here uh but other than that continuing to be terrible and not catch up on the winter season of anime uh, unfortunately uh, i'm still plugging away at the the sailor moon group watch on twitter uh we just made it episode 45 and uh, i'm still enjoying that uh you know in in spite of not watching any modern anime unfortunately but other modern than that, anime is overrated yeah <laughs> <laughs> but other than that just kind of you know hanging out doing my thing as usual and me and you are actually planning on doing a Go Nagai panel at uh, Animazement this year. Yeah, that's true. We submitted a Go Nagai panel, so uh, hopefully that'll pan out, and we'll talk more about a little bit more about Devilman and Cutie Honey and all of the Go Nagai's really bombastic, crazy uh, works. And John, we—I mean, what have you been up to? Because you're kind of a—you're kind of like the third Impact Cryptid at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have been kind of absent for a while. Well, when I'm not working at my day job, I am currently working towards my pilot uh, license uh, as of right now. I'm working for my private. Uh, I'm hoping to be done by May. Uh, weather this weekend wasn't good, so it's just a bunch of learning. But as far as anime stuff goes, I'll actually be working in the main events uh, portion of Anime Central. Uh, I found that out two days ago, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to do more big stuff at stuff like Momo and... Uh, stuff around here depending on how it goes we'll see so are you going to fly the plane into anime central or uh i am not uh legally allowed to talk about that at this time but i cannot deny that that could be my intention so it's sort of a combination of the leslie nielsen movie movie airplane and and (laughs) otaku and it's just going to be it's going to be fun can't wait to see how that pans out it's going to basically be like john plane (laughs) <laughs> exclamation point there you go the entire movie is going to be him in the cockpit just making John faces <laughs> I, I would 90 pay. minutes well spent what do you mean 90 minutes that movie's going to be 3 hours <laughs> I, I would pay a lot of money to watch that movie to be fair hey, I would I, too if you want that movie we can make that happen oh yeah I mean we gotta get those merchandising rights out um <laughs> As for me, um, I'm actually watching anime again. I, like, I'm not finished with Cheers, technically. I know everyone's, like, you know, on pins and needles. You're never finished with Cheers. <laughs> well, I, I finished, like, again, this is the first time I've ever seen it, but I'm watching it with a friend, and I made it to the end, and the last, the end of the series is a three-part finale, and he's like, don't watch that. We have to watch it together. So, like, I'm basically done, um... Until until he decides that he's caught up, but I'm actually now like I've watched eleven seasons of live action. I'm done. I want cartoons again. So I've been watching <laughs> um, this older Tatsunoko show called Arashiman, which is on High Dive if you're interested. Um, and it, it's like made right during the period where Tatsunoko almost went broke. So this is them kind of trying to climb back up into anime. And so I've really gotten into that. It's like this weird combination of like futuristic, you know, 80s retrofuturism, and then the villains are all, like, Art Deco German 
silent movie villains. It's really weird. And I've been watching that, and um, I started watching Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, because a friend of mine was, like, going on and on about it. And I've heard about it a lot, so I finally sat down and watch that and I'm also back on watching Maison Coco. so I'm like juggling three shows and I'm sure there's like a fourth one that I started and I cannot remember so I'm actually doing a good job in watching anime and I know that uh, I need to start watching Mob Psycho season two because that's the one show that's like on right now that I have like even a passing interest in I know that uh, you, you say actually- that you say that but there are actually a significant amount of shows that i have an interest in this season and that's weird for me i never actually watch stuff that's currently airing because i always think that there's too much and i never am able to actually figure out if there's something i was gonna like but being that i was sick for the past two weeks i had a lot of time so i've been watching a ton of stuff that's airing this season and mob psycho ironically enough is the only one i can't watch because it gives me a migraine I mean, hmm. that animation is just so colorful and vibrant, Oh, it's, it's amazing, sure. and I really wish I could watch it, but it just, it kills me. Yeah, I can see how it could. Uh, I, I say that, but there's also one show that just got a preview released, and it's by Tatsunoko. And I don't know the basic plot, but I know that my beloved Duranjo, my favorite anime character of all time, and Go Mafune from Speed Racer are traveling the Wild West together as bandits... And I don't know why or how this works, but I, I have to see it. And I'm like, just praying it's not as bad as Yatter Man of the Night. If it's just not that terrible and they don't ruin Duranjo anymore and they've already ruined her, I will watch it, even if it's her in the Wild West with Speed Racer. So, I mean, it's worth a shot. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys watching or playing anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm playing a lot. We'll be here all day for that. Um I actually started playing the Division 2 beta today, and I'm really enjoying that. Played it with a friend for, like, five hours, and we had a bunch of fun. I've also been replaying the Final Fantasy IV collection on PSP, because God knows my PSP needed some love, because I haven't given it any in the entire time I've had it. Um, And watching-wise, though, I'm actually... Like I said, I'm watching a lot of stuff. I'm watching uh, Promised Neverland, which I've never... like fallen in love with the show so quickly and needed to know what happened immediately next like it's so good and I don't want to say too much because I want anybody who's going to watch it to go in blind and um I'm just going to leave that one at that but I've also been watching my roommate as a cat and if you have ever owned a cat or lived with a cat you need to watch this show because you will relate to it on a spiritual level like (laughs) I have I've also been watching Dororo on Amazon Prime, and apparently that is based off of, like, a very old anime I found out, and is apparently getting a stage play adaptation in Japan, which is honestly kind of tweaking my interest a little bit, because I feel like that would be really cool to see. Um, That show's really good, and I'm also watching Kaguya-sama Love is War, which is just a fun little slice-of-life rom-com about two people who have feelings for each other but are both too big-headed to admit it. So they try to make the other person do it in, like, very absurd ways and, like, carry out elaborate plots that never end well for them. How about you, Tobias? Well, uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, slowly catching up on Sailor Moon through that that, that weekly group watch. And uh, other than that, uh, just my, 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 my casual watch time has been taken up by... Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, I just hit season mm. three just this weekend, and slowly working my way through that. 
uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is God. Yeah, no, it's it's the best anime. Uh, to be oh, fair, yeah. uh, <laughs> Andy Samberg is is does a fantastic yeah. job as Jake Peralta. Yeah, and you know Terry loves anime. He's the best voice actor on that show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I just got around to finally watching. Uh, Sorry to bother you today as well. Uh, back when it came out in theaters, none of the local theaters had it at all. Uh, so I just noticed it was on Hulu uh, just randomly and sat down to finally watch that. And yeah, it's a really super great film. All of you should check that out for sure. Uh, it did not go anywhere near what I expected it was going to go. Uh, for those of you who've seen it, know exactly what I'm talking about. Hmm. But uh, you should definitely check that out. Don't miss. Uh, sorry to bother you. Uh, can, I, don't think, we... I don't think it was nominated for anything in the Oscars, unfortunately, but it definitely should have. Yeah. Can we actually backtrack one second back to you said Terry loves anime? Have you gotten to any of the otaku Terry parts of that show yet? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't remember when they start because I binge watched that show all in like one sitting. And so it all blends together for me. But there are certain parts where like it flashes back to when Terry like lived in Japan and he speaks like really good Japanese. It was like a complete otaku. It's really funny. Like, I, Otaku I Terry like, moments are, like, my bread and butter. They were so funny. <laughs> you know, like you mentioned, like, Andy Samberg is, like, a really great lead. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Terry Crews opposite him and, like, uh, everyone else on that there just is really great. Like, I, I've always really enjoyed that, uh, like, the Office and Parks and Rec style of sitcom. They're just very easy junk food type shows. But there, it's it's there's not just junk food, you know. Like there's a lot of really good character moments there between the, these individual people, and the way they grow through these shows is, is is still fairly endearing and still pretty worthwhile. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. All the recommendations people have given, you know, over the past couple of years, finally convinced me to sit down with it and and give it a watch. Yeah, for sure. Jan, are you watching anything? Hopefully not while flying a plane. <laughs> No, unfortunately, I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch stuff. I have been playing things, though. Uh, I had finished Kingdom Hearts 3 a little while back and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I know had come out a while ago, but I just could not find the time for it, and I finally did this year and finished that up. Uh, I had gotten on an Ace Combat binge for a while, and I've just wrapped up all of that. And uh, the next thing I'm looking at is doing the Resident Evil 2 remake. That's been looking really, really good. Uh, I've enjoyed the 500% animation videos because that is just, like, right up my alley. I love them so much. And um, aside from that, I'm not sure what else to look out for just yet. So uh, it's been kind of slow this year for games. I've been kind of disappointed, so we'll Well, see. Well, it's only March. Yeah, I know. It's... I guess since the last two years have been so fire, I'm just kind of like... No, I was talking about this with Will and Edwin. We're actually very glad that we're kind of in a desert right now because we know there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming. And we are actually appreciating the time we're getting to work on our backlogs. Yeah, that's true. And like to just play some casual stuff. Like the other thing I've been playing actually is I've been playing the hell out of Tetris 9-9. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> you you lost your mind when they announced that. Oh, my oh I was so happy. And, like, I <laughs> I don't like Battle Royales too much. Like, I enjoy them, but as a concept, they're kind of getting overplayed. And then, mm-hmm. like, when I saw 99 players, I was like, oh, great, Nintendo's making a Battle Royale now. And for a minute, I was like, you know what? This could be Waluigi's game. But then... <laughs> Because we've had a joke about that for a long time, that Waluigi's game is going to be a shooter. But, oh, God. <laughs> but um, 
So instead, it was Tetra, it was Tetris Battle Royale, and I was just like, "Yup, I am so <laughs> on board for that because I love Tetris and I'm really good at it. I have not won yet, but I've gotten third place. The game is really hard to win for a various amount of luck factors, but mm-hmm. it's hard. But I love it; it's so much fun. I, I still am waiting for them to release a proper Tetris on the Switch, though. Which, by the way, as of recording today, the Switch has officially turned two years old. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. And today was also the second anniversary of Breath of the Wild. Well, yeah, Switch Which turned two. <laughs> yes, but I bring that up because I still have not finished it. Because every oh, time I start... Well, every time I play it, I end up just... You know, running around high yeah, doing nothing. Yeah, around for hours. That's that's the point. It's a fun game to just do it stuff It sounds in. to me like, like I, you've beaten it. You've accomplished exactly what you set out to do. Nothing. I have set fire to every <laughs> bush in Hyrule because <laughs> it's just fun. I have a pyromanic streak that this game allows me to explore, and my therapist is probably going to be very interested to hear me say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's a great game. Like, it's so much fun, and I remember... The first night it came out, I literally stayed up until five the day, like the weekend of Triad came in. John and I whipped out our switches. We're playing it in line. And these two guys were like, oh, my God, is that a switch? And we were like, yeah. And they're like, can I see it? And I was like, yeah, look with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the flea first market. night, man, we couldn't put that game down for months, man. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. No, but like um, there was also at the flea market i was playing my switch and i had a sign out that said if you buy something i'll let you play zelda for five minutes <laughs> there you go they worked See, a couple that's, times that's the difference between me and you ryan because i believe never bring anything to a con that you're not prepared to lose the mr Krabs, you know mantra so yeah. mm. as much as the switch is made for portability i'm terrified to bring it anywhere because if someone stole it i would like roam the streets with a machete ready to cut off their hands <laughs> myself <laughs> Because Here's I'm... the thing about that. When when I bring my Switch with me outside, if I do not know where it is at all times, then yes, that instinct will kick in. But nine times out of ten, it is, like, touching me. So. Appropriately, I hope. about the Devilman OVAs, uh, 1987's Devilman The Birth, and 1990's The Demon Bird Serene. Um, so these OVAs are not exactly based on the original manga. They are actually based on a novelization of the manga by uh, Yasutaka Nagai, who is actually Go Nagai's brother. Um, and they are the directorial debut of Umanosuke Ida, who also was one of the directors on Helsing, and he's mostly known for his storyboard work on Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, Big O, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Lupin the Third Part 3. Uh, he has done a lot of stuff in anime in the brief time that he worked in it, and uh, it's kind of funny that Gonagai actually 
consistently compared him to Totoro for some reason. Um, that was just a weird way that Nagai would frequently refer to him. Um, and when I say brief, he actually passed away in 2010. So he uh, was a storyboard artist. He was a director. Um, he basically had his hand in every part of the production aspect for various uh, influential anime. And Tobias, if uh, you want to jump in here at any point, I know that both me and you both kind of did most of the research for this episode because we're very into the Nagai oeuvre. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you covered it for the most part. Uh, Ida, like you said, mostly known for storyboards, storyboard stuff. He did direct uh, Helsing, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, like his studio, O Production, the main animation studio, uh, with uh, doing these OVAs there, and. Uh, I think we'll talk more about them here in a second with the character designs. It's kind of interesting that uh, Devilman, throughout its history, has frequently been an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation because uh, it started off as um, Demon Lord Dante, which was a manga that Gonagai wrote, and then Toei came to him and said, hey, could you write another manga that we could turn to an anime that's more kid-friendly? And then he wrote it, and he made that Devilman, and then they're like... Still not kid friendly. Don't know if you got the memo. <laughs> not, um, not so they so they went to Masaki Suji, who was a science fiction writer and novelist and screenwriter uh, that actually was friends with the guy, and they worked together to kind of soften the premise into the seventy two anime. And one of the biggest visual uh, differences, obviously, is just the design of Devilman himself, because in the original manga, he's you know this muscular. Uh, fleshy thing. He's got like a red and black color scheme. He has like a like a furry bottom, like a hairy centaur look. And then in he the seventy two like anime, and yeah, and then in the seventy two anime, he's like blue and red and has like shark fin wings, and he looks like he's made out of foam rubber. So like they basically made it's a completely different story. The seventy two anime is basically like almost like a Super Sentai show because um. Every episode is, oh, this demon is after Miki, I better go beat them up, and there's no Ryo, <laughs> yeah. there's, like, some other guy named Hamura who's, like, brunette Ryo, but not as interesting. He has, like, a cult following, apparently, in the fandom, and one of the, like, demon generals who's just not really that major of a character in the manga, or is more like a, a side character, is now the main villain, because you can't have Satan in a kid's show, I guess, even in Japan, so... Like, just the fact that, like, even here, where it's closer to the manga, it's still technically an adaptation of a novelization of the manga is just kind of funny to me, because it's like, Devil Man in and of itself, has never really been original in one way or the other. I think it's kind of the true for all of Nagai's stuff. You know, I mentioned Devil Man, the new manga, which is based on this older manga, which has these very, you know, adaptations through the years. They're all kind of separate from each other. And that's kind of been the case for a lot of his other stuff. The Cutie Honeys got a couple different versions over time. Uh, you know, Mazinger, of course, got all these other like offshoots, like Get a Robo, all in the same like DNA. It's a you know mecha DNA that are all sort of based on something, based on something, based on something. And I think that kind of uh, this has this atmosphere of uh, while while, while uh, I would say Nagoya guy certainly has a you know, is known for his work. I don't think he's quite as known as some of the other big names in the, the anime and manga industry just because of that. And I think part of it, too, is just... As you can see his influences in all the adaptation. I mean, his creature designs in all the Devilman series or his mech designs or even sort of the character designs like Cutie Honey, you know, there's bits and pieces of that in every adaptation, but... 
Uh, and I kind of like that because it kind of reminds me of characters like like uh, like Western comics. You know, so many writers have written Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, and there's that same thread that kind of links them along. But everyone kind of has their own idea of how they should be written. You know, his brother. Uh, Yasutaka Nagai has his idea of how Devil Man should be, and Mas Masaki Suji he has his idea of how the Devil Man anime should be, and you know it's kind of like these characters work because they are kind of versatile and flexible. Although at the same time, I do have this image of my head of Nagai bringing the first two or three chapters of Devil Man to Toei Studios, and they just look at it and look at him and say, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> because again, it's it, his stuff is so off the wall and so he loves flirting with taboo subjects and really kind of pushing the envelope. That you know, sometimes you have to think Toei had to know what they were getting into asking him to do something. I mean, they saw Cutie Honey. I think Cutie Honey came first. <laughs> no, wait, it, it was seventy three. So uh, still, they had to know. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, Nagai's stuff always has this like a hint of etchy and we think of like etchy stuff now it's all you know softcore porn but even then it's just you know these these almost like uh like erotic jokes like his first major work Karenchi Gakuen were just like this kind of like semi-verted jokes uh, I kind of think that uh we see a lot of that later like in Takashi's Ranma for instance or even uh Urusei Atsura where it's almost this kind of uh you know kind of the perverted humor you know it kind of makes me think of like if you know, Osama Tezuka grew up reading nothing but Playboy and Mad Magazine, you would have Go Nagai. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that... Devilman specifically is, like... It's got a lot of, like, porny elements to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, it's not, like... Well... Okay, it is, like, horny at some points, but, like, at other points it's, like, just... Miki was naked in a bathtub and got possessed by a demon and she just happened to be naked but other other times it's like they're literally like I can't say that on the podcast um <laughs> they're um doing adult things in the middle of a nightclub because they're that like degenerate and trying to summon demons I mean Nagai in ev almost everything he's written or or come up with does have this element of you know he he kind of is like the dirty old man demographic given the given the wheel to the boss to drive us wherever he feels like going and like for me you know i'm not really you know into cutie honey getting you know naked in every episode but I, it has a camp feel to it like for me it's like of course she loses her clothes it's 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 you know, it's silly, you know, as someone who isn't really into women, it's still appealing and sort of, like I said, a camp kitsch, you know, sort of that, oh, it's the 70s, it's, everyone's kind of doing it sort of way. I mean, I mean, some people, I guess, would be more uncomfortable because he, he is not prudish in any way. You know, he does kind of let it all hang out in every sense of the phrase, but <laughs> I think if you kind of go in in more of a sort of, okay, I'm, I'm just in for this ride, you kind of you know, let loose. I mean, we were watching, we all watched this OVA together pretty much, and mm -hmm. just do it, watching it with, with friends, just, it, it was like being on a roller coaster, because you never knew what was going to happen next, and same thing with every remake or adaptation of Devilman or Kitty Honey, it's, you don't know what's going to happen, even if you've seen the basic story, you know, several times over. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured... I kind of figured it would happen similarly, 
Um, granted, this one was different. My only exposure is Crybaby and like a very minuscule chunk of the manga I read just out of curiosity. But then when I saw the plot was pretty much the same thing, I was just like, I'm not going to read something I just watched and have it rip my heart out again. Um, but I, uh, I was interested in watching the OVAs just to see how the style aged. And also, Akira's much, much, much more of a wimp in Crybaby, hence the name. And in this, he actually seemed to be like a competent human being for at least most of it. <laughs> and Before we... my... Oh, sorry. Yeah, minus like a couple parts, but like... It, it was interesting seeing the contrast, but like... Yeah, it, I thought it was... I thought it like both had their merits and both had advantages and disadvantages but i was glad that i watched both in all honesty before and we... i went into this completely blind so i had no idea what to expect from this oh boy yeah john just he he <laughs> was just jumped shook. right in <laughs> we 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 should have oh poor john before we like jump into the ovas themselves uh i think we should finish going over some of this production stuff um kazuo komasubara he was the guy who did the original 72 devil man character designs and he did them again so he kind of readapted them and made them closer to the manga for this uh production um he also was the character designer and animation director uh on the set, like I said, on the seventy-two, but he also did Harlock and Galaxy Express nine nine nine, and his studio O Production was the one who am- animated the OVAs. Animated, animated, <laughs> you know, it's like laminated but anime. Um, <laughs> so uh, there is some sort of pedigree with this production. They did bring other people from the history of the franchise in, and um, the music was by Kinji Kawai, who would later do music for Blue Seed and Ghost in the Shell, um, and the live-action Death Note movies, along with When They Cry oh. and Now, going back full circle, he's also done Mob Psycho 100, so he's still working. Yeah. So, got- from now on, when... For, from now on, can I petition that whenever a manga, or anything for that matter, gets an anime adaptation, we now say it's emanated? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will not allow my my goof to go on and live in eternity. So no. Yeah. But uh no, Castlevania recently got emanated. Austin <laughs> <laughs> edit that I out. I love please. anime. Oh. <laughs> so these these OVAs, they really only cover the first part of the Devilman story. There were three more planned, but they dropped. The third installment uh, they were going to give them a budget of 120 million yen, but the director was kind of like, that's not enough for me to do what I want. Um, so it kind of went quiet for a while. Um, there is a 2000 OVA done by Kenichi Takashida, uh, the Amon Apocalypse of Devilman OVA, and it was meant to be a sequel, but it's like an entirely different art style and part of a different OVA series. So it's like smack dab in the middle of an entirely different series of OVAs, and it's like known for being kind of terrible uh like the dub is awful the plot is all over the place so like even though it's meant to be a continuation of these it's kind of been jettisoned into history um the closest thing to a sequel to these is cb Nagai world which is basically a chibi ova series of every character from gonagai's uh franchises meeting and basically it's like a weird ova slice of life chibi cutesy it's 
it's something, but it was also directed by Ida, and it's done by the same production studio, so it's like, if you want a palate cleanser after the absolute madness it is, uh, the birth and devil birds are in, I, I would say go for, for the chibi version. Honestly, I didn't think that um, the OVAs had as much madness going on. Yeah, there was a little bit, but all in all, it was relatively tame compared to the entirety of the show. Yeah, Crybaby, I mean, this Crybaby and the OVAs, while they certainly uh, share the same story and DNA and they're based on the guy works, they do have a lot of differences in kind of the tone that they're trying to set. Like I think the OVAs kind of had the feeling of like a of a of a bad '80s B action movie where they're just so ballistic and loud and over the top that you're never really given those sort of deep character moments because it's too busy trying to wow you with like weird visuals and like lots of yelling and screaming and over the top fight scenes. So I mean they're very different. Uh, I would not go into this thinking that you're going to see an exact duplicate of Crybaby just done in a different art style. Oh um, yeah, no, definitely not. Going through the cast, uh, this time Akira slash Devilman is played by Sho Hayami, who is most famous for being Wolfwood in Trigon, and uh, going back to one of my early anime uh, viewing habits, uh, Marake in Yami no Matsui slash Descendants of Darkness, so uh, that's kind of coming back into my past. As far as the uh, English cast here, uh, a lot of these are were all done through Manga UK back then, so they all kind of share a lot of similar roles. I noticed that they all had parts in Madbull 34 and uh, Megazone 2-3 Part 3, and I think a lot of these had uh, roles also in X, the movie. Uh, I think like X 1999, one of those classic movies you heard a lot about if you were a fan back in the, like, the early 2000s. But uh, I think one of those like early clamp works. But uh, specifically, Akira uh, is voiced by Alan Marriott, who uh, has got a lot of work recently in uh, more like children's entertainment, uh, including like Ninja Go, some of the Ninja Go TV or movies or, or whatnot. I'm not really a fan of that myself, but looking over his IMDb list, you see there's a lot of recent children's television roles. Yeah, I don't think Ninja Go is kind of aimed at our demographic. <laughs> That's definitely true. So it's not Ninja Go Nagai. <laughs> You're welcome. Solely. Well, that's the new name of the episode, I guess. <laughs> Either that or emanated Ninja Gona guy. Stop, please. <laughs> I beg of you. <laughs> um, Solely, we're going to remind you of the rule of the internet. The more you ask people to stop, the less likely it's going to happen. Anyway, Ryo is voiced, <laughs> is voiced by uh, uh, Yu Mizushima, who... He's most known for me for voicing Hikaru in Otaskeman, which is one of the Time Boken series. He plays the titular Otaskeman. And he's also Luigi in the Mario anime, which I really want us to cover one day. Like him and. Like the uh, Mario Brothers Super Show? No, no, there is a Mar- like a one hour Mario anime done by Grouper, who's like a subsidiary of Toei. And uh, Tuxedo Mask and Yamcha's voice actor is Mario. And then he is Luigi. And he's also been Luigi, I think, in other like Nintendo Japanese voiced products. So, like. It- I, I know way too much about this, and I demand we do an episode on it, but just <laughs> just remember that Rio could possibly be in his own version of Luigi's Mansion. I'm just going to leave it at that. Huh. Can we can we have the, like, 
I want so many crossovers of like Luigi's Mansion. Like I want Castlevania meets Luigi's Mansion just because oh, of that God. Smash trailer. Can we get this one too? Like <laughs> Devil Man meets Luigi's Mansion. JoJo's where you go mansion. around where you go around as Luigi and hunt demons. With with Devil oh. Man. Yeah, with Devil Man as like your sidekick. <laughs> or just turn Luigi into Devil Man, even better. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. Man. Luigi Man Crybaby. <laughs> I mean, you're halfway there already with Luigi. Yeah. So Akira, like, once he does this, like, the whole summoning ceremony, he turns into Luigi. Oh, instead of, no. Instead of the devil. No. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> so apparently... You me, you wouldn't watch that. So apparently Ryo's English voice actor is Yeah, Stavon. so his English voice actor is Adam Madelon, who like I said also played a role in Megazone 2-3 part or 2-3 part 3, uh, also a role in New Dominion Tank Police from 1995. And uh just like Alan has kind of moved on from doing just anime into various things, he does a lot of staff, like he's got a couple of directorial roles under his belt. Uh, for things like American Pickers, and he was a stagehand on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in uh, 2009. So you don't so, see that a lot with these uh, these voice actors moving on into very different roles. So can Devil Man fight Regis Philbin then? <laughs> <laughs> Final uh, answer. All right, Devil Man, put him up. Who wants to be a millionaire? The name of the fight between Devil Man and Regis Philbin. Oh <laughs> who God. wants? Who wants to be a Devil Man? Miki is voiced by uh, Jung-kyu Yamaki, and this is pretty much her only role. Like, I looked on several different databases, and pretty much the only thing she's ever done is Miki Makamura in the Devilman OVAs and then the Chibi one. So, um, I hope she's doing okay. Maybe she found out that... I mean, I, it's not that uncommon to find some people who might have done voice acting as, like, something they did while they were trying to find another role. Maybe it's a stage name and she's a live action actress now and she used a different name when she... I mean, it's a mystery. The mystery of Miki. I mean... Lupin the Third in The Mystery of Miki. Yeah, nowadays it's like you have to... We, ha we have a billion and a half people asking every single voice actor who comes to a con, how do I become a voice actor? Meanwhile, this one was just like, I guess I could be a voice actor if it'll pay the bills. <laughs> And uh, the her English equivalent uh, is Larissa Murray, who again had a role in Mad Bull 34, but is also the role of uh, Alita or Galley in the UK dub of Battle Angel, which is uh, nice. pretty, pretty topical now. I remember yeah. that uh, when I worked at the vintage store I did for my internship, I someone used to bring in old VHS tapes, and one of them was Mad Bull 34. And I, I think I gave it to Austin or, or one of our friends, and I'm like, well, this is I should have watched it because apparently all of these Devilman actors... Just were in this one because I think it was the English dub. It had a big sticker on it that said "dub" on like a big pink letter. So it was just was Devil Man the Mad Bull Thirty Four reunion or was <laughs> Mad Bull Thirty Four the Devil Man reunion? I mean, Mad Bull Thirty Four came out in like ninety three, maybe ninety four five. So like it's I I think it is later because this came out in. 89 and uh or 87 and 80 uh, and 1990 i keep forgetting there's a three-year gap between the two ovas i mean you really had to be patient if you were wanting to know what happens after the first one um mm. 
Sarin uh, is voiced by Yoshika Saki <clears throat> Sakakibara. I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce anything today. Um, she's, for me, again, most famous for being Nehalania in Sailor Moon Supers. Uh, she's Project 2501 in Ghost in the Shell 2.0, Integra in Helsing, and L in the first Irisayatsu movie, Only You. So she's uh, kind of got a, you know, quite a few voices under her belt that's really well known. I probably pronounced the Project 2501. It might be 2501. I don't know. I haven't seen Ghost in the Shell 2.0. Yeah, and her English equivalent is Lisa Ross, uh, credited on the this release as Lucy Franks, who also had roles in Violent Shack, uh, Wicked City, again Mad Bull Thirty Four, and also We're Back, a Dinosaur Story. Yeah, I always want to know the story behind voice actors who have like credits under multiple names. It's like, did you get married or did you change your name because you are like evading some like Turkish mafia, in which case make an anime about it because it sounds like it'd be a great story. From what I understand, people will take on different stage names to do different work just because of how like, like if you're doing commercials, like like commercial voiceover, you might want to have a different sort of resume and if you're doing anime you might want to have a different voice because it's just it's just like a weird like brand thing for some people and some people it is they don't want to be known under a certain voice because it gets stalkers i remember reading uh it was a completely unrelated article but it was more like talking about people who suffer from stalking and the woman who did anime voices uh was basically stalked out of the profession because uh every time she changed her name in a production the person managed to find her it was very disturbing so i mean there's a variety of reasons people might want to use different stage names for different aspects of their career oh i'm sure and i make jokes but um in all honesty yeah i'm sure it's like something not like to be laughed at if it's actually a serious matter but like yeah having different stage name like if i did if i did like commercials or something i would probably not use my real name for sure. And when we look at these kind of OVAs like uh, Devilman and Violent Shack, I definitely could see them wanting to just distance themselves for this type of work compared to, again, like We're Back, this very much a children's, children's film as opposed to these hyper-violent OVAs. I mean, even anime was kind of a niche thing and it had this, you know, uh, as Mystery Science Theater put it, I have to run and get my violent porn comics. So, I mean, it had that reput- reputation. I could see why... You know, they would use a separate name for any anime production that they did voice work on in, you know, the early 90s. It's just kind of a, you know, I did it and it paid the bills and I'm not going to any cons or anything. I'm just, you know, doing it to, you know, do it. Yep. Put bread on the table. So we've gone over the crew and the cast. Do we want to dive into (laughs) Devilman uh, The Birth, which is the first OVA from 1987? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Well, since me and Tobias and Ryan had already seen Crybaby, and I had some familiarity with Devilman too, because after Crybaby, I went to read the manga. John, you have no experience with any of Gonagai's work, and nothing. That's correct. Nothing at all with Devilman. You mm-hmm. as sort of the virgin here to <laughs> to the to the Nagai world. What did you think of the first OVA, uh, the birth? Uh, wow, <laughs> that's a very interesting way to get your series started because it was basically forty minutes of almost nothing, 
and then 10 minutes of where are we? <laughs> like, if I had to sum up the first OVA, it would be about this kid, Greg, who got uh, tricked I'm, into I'm sorry, eating Greg? some LSD. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the names of these characters, so I'm just going with Use it. Use the cast list in the notes. Now I want to hear John's naming system here. So we yeah. have, I, I so we hear have John's Greg. four kids adaptation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll just assume that this is the official four kids dub. So Greg, who has this guy, uh, his friend named Frank, who tricks him into eating some LSD before taking him to his mansion and then have him hallucinate all these monsters just appearing out of nowhere. And so as a joke, he takes him to his underground rave party, feeds him an even stronger dose of LSD he hasn't tested yet. He goes crazy, thinks he becomes devil man and everybody else is transformed and just murders the crap out of people. And that's the first OVA. Okay. Almost, it's almost like an anti-drug PSA that the government made to show, like, and this is why you don't do drugs. That's what <laughs> kind of what it felt like. So John has it mostly right, yeah. Except instead of you know LSD, it is a it is a demonic mask. Uh, yes. One thing that always strikes me as funny is in the manga and in this one too. Just you know how. Uh, how Ryo gets Akira to wear the mask is basically just insisting and Akira's like I don't want to wear it I don't I, do, not, it. do it do it like it's very <laughs> put on the mask Shinji it's, it's yeah basically it's it's not very he's not very good at convincing him so much as he is just saying like we gotta move the plot along put on the mask <laughs> um, so it, it's just kind of funny to see this animated because Ryan you mentioned that you wanted to see how the animation style differed and you know, it. I think when we were watching it, you called it kind of like a Ghibli movie, and that's not too far off. It's very soft and rounded and fluid. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very eighties, and it reminded me of Miyazaki a lot, uh, just based on the style alone. But um, also, their their hairstyle was a very big, big thing. Where like they both had like pumps and had poofy hair, whereas in the Crybaby adaptation, uh, Akira had spiky hair. He was basically like your average emo anime protagonist with spiky hair that was out of the 2000s. But. And Ryo yeah, was it, a K pop boy? <laughs> effectively. I mean, once he got that eyeliner, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it was. It, it was definitely different. Like. Things were a lot more colorful in this adaptation for sure mm. like one, I feel like that's everything as a whole nowadays minus you know Mob Psycho as we discussed before but everything <laughs> has gotten a lot less colorful and more realistic or even dark and like things that were made back then just used colors so like liberally that it's not a style that I've actually seen very much of recently hmm it's very interesting to me to see it animated because, I mean, you have the 72 anime, which is uh, very much of its time. It's the sort of stereotypical old anime, you know, limited movement, lots of shots of just the mouse moving or everyone sort of just slides in the frame. And if you look at Gonagai's original manga, it's not too far off because his, his as much as I love his style, it's very stiff, especially in the Devilman manga. It's very... 
uh, lots of sharp lines, and the characters are sort of just very posed. Like, they don't feel like they're moving, they feel like they are stuck in that frame. And then you have this OVA where everything is just very smooth and flowing, and the lines are very soft, and, you know, their faces are very round. Even their hair, like you said, have that, that pompadour look where, you know, in the original manga, Ryo looks like if he turns around, his bangs could, like, stab your eye out. So, it, it's it's, it's kind of nice to see it done in a different style, but it still feels very true to the to the spirit of the original manga. It really just showcases like something we don't get nowadays with the uh, the OVA uh, you know style. Even though things like Devilman are technically OVAs, uh, then you have these companies able to pour so much money into creating these independent works without needing to make it you know sticking with television guidelines. Uh, excuse me. Uh, without sticking to television deadlines and, and that, all that kind of stuff. Like, I just watching the first episode really just surprised me. Uh, like Ryan said, I did get a very Ghibli-esque uh, a hint from the animation quality itself. Uh, just everything seemed to flow really, really well. And it, it just kind of is proof more than anything else that I wish that we never had really lost that OVA uh, style from, from the early 90s. I mean, yeah. the OVA boom couldn't last forever. I mean, That's now... When you see OVAs, they tend to be sometimes even of a worse quality than the original show. I mean, I've had like especially it like tends DVD- to it tends to also come after it's already gotten an anime adaptation, like it's a continuation of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's mostly for promotional material. I think nowadays yeah. more so than anything. Like specifically, my the instance I always go to is uh, Future Diary. If you watch the show, just the show, you're gonna be dead inside. But then they came out with the OVA because they were like, hey, it might not sell well if people find out that we made all these people dead inside. So they made a OVA to finish the story and kind of give an afterword and it made everything happy again. But a lot of shows oh, wound Diary. up doing that. <laughs> I thought I forgot about Future Diary, Ryan. No, future future Diary is one of my favorites. Like I'll always mention it when it when I can, because I like a lot of people uh, talk talk bad about it, but I love that show. Like I think it's honestly really great. But um, I'm gonna go cry now. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. No. Like, and uh, even more recently with Persona Five. Granted, that's a whole mess of in and of itself. They couldn't get the plot done in 24 episodes, so now they have two OVAs to finish the plot like it's just stuff like that like OVAs don't really exist uh as standalones anymore like they come off of a pre-existing franchise or anime series and then are like made as an extension to either give the fans some closure or just continue the story because they felt like it and even just the general tone with a lot of you know a lot of these earlier stuff there was just companies thinking oh man anime's bringing us a lot of money let's throw a bunch of money into you know a couple episodes and see what happens but yeah. now like anime production is so different now and everything is everybody's so overworked that it just you don't really get the same heart that you got out of things like this and uh you know all the classic ovas from the 90s and 80s yeah there will yeah. never be another gum buster I know there's another Gunbuster, but I refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Diebuster, Diebuster is, like, not even really Gunbuster. Like, it's too different. Like, Gunbuster just had this whole allure about it, and they put more 
effort into the flopping of her boobs while she lied on bed <laughs> than they did into the space battles. And you just don't get that anymore. And like, Die Buster was not the same. Like, even though, yes, it was a continuation, to me, it wasn't. Ryan basically just said, you don't get that boob flopping animation like you did in the old days. <laughs> I mean, That's what's wrong you with don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that it's like a problem. I'm just like, I remember when we watched that, I was just like, you know, that seemed a little too well animated for something for what it was. <laughs> And I mean, I mean, I, w- I will defend Die Buster to the death myself, but you're right. It's a different era. And even though those are OVAs, it doesn't quite fit the same niche that, uh, you know, things like Devil Man or Battle Angel or, you know, Violence Jack or any of these other things sort of feel. So, John, again, since you are the Devil Man virgin here, and I insist on using that term, um, <laughs> we have some familiarity with these characters, either uh, through Crybaby or the manga or what have you. So, uh, what did you think of, as you named Akira Fudo slash Devil Man Greg, uh, what did you think of Greg <laughs> as a character? Like, how did you react, and how did you feel about Frank, uh, whose real name is... Uh, Rio Asuka, uh, how did you feel about these two characters? Because they're kind of the focal point of the first OVA. Well, um, I thought that Akira was kind of an interesting character, uh, and not necessarily, like, deep or well-developed, but just the fact that he goes from kind of like this mild-mannered kind of typical teen to, like, yeah, let's summon some demons. Let's freaking do it. It's like, whoa, man. Where where did that come from? I wasn't... I I don't know how I felt about that one, but uh, Rio was just kind of like... uh, the cool rich dude that yeah rio just... rio did not get uh fleshed out as much as i had wanted in this one but yeah yeah he he was kind of like the uh token rich dude slash uh plot de- uh token plot device bearer basically <laughs> so um i i don't know like just the whole situation they were in just was odd i i can't find a better word than that just because it all like it was a lot of like world building at first and then everything happened so fast you're just like okay he's devilman now and i where do we go from here i don't know well the funny thing is is uh these ovas i guess because they're they didn't go as far as they want to uh spoiler rio is actually satan himself um so oh, I did not know that. Well, now you do. And yeah, Rio, think- <laughs> turn, Rio turns out to be Satan, and the fact that he was saying, my dad, and everything, I'm just like, shut up. You know you don't have a dad. Um, I mean, I, I mean, sort of a spoiler. I mean, he doesn't know that in the beginning. He's, yeah. He slowly becomes aware of his role That's in true. all this. For me, I think one of the problems I had is that even though I think Akira is a little more... He's not as much of a crybaby, and I know that is the point of crybaby. He is more sort of like a... He, he's very emotional. You see the rabbit scene where he becomes very... You know, he's like, don't hurt these rabbits. They hurt the rabbits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, he, he yeah, he seems more mild-mannered. Like, he's, he's just like a nice kid. And then, then you know... In Crybaby, it's like, okay, sweetheart, you're about to fall apart, and we need you to not because you're the main character, and it's like episode <laughs> one. Um, you're about yeah, to go through yeah. a lot, so buckle up. The biggest difference that they did not have in the OVAs that I was disappointed about personally was they did not have Akira very loudly and publicly watching porn in his school's <laughs> auditorium. Oh my god. Yeah, that was a real thing that happened after he had his devil awakening and crybaby. Is he just, like, straight up didn't give a honk about anything. 
Yeah, wow. I, I think we see a little bit of that at the beginning of episode two, where he's just jumping around. Like it was more subtle for sure. Like his his yeah. personality differences were like much much less. Like yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You don't, yeah, like you said, he's not watching porn. He's not walking around with his bulge in his pants. Yeah, I will right. never forget. Like just if I have to, just <laughs> looking back on memories of anime in my mind is watching the watching the I forget what episode it was of Devilman Crybaby just the scene where he's about to start running and this girl just screams look at his dick as loud as possible yeah and it's like I don't Crybaby know who had that, some of those moments I don't know who that girl is who, who voice acted her but I'm just like I hope you have a good life because you deserve it <laughs> just shout out to you big devil man energy mm-hmm. yes oh, <laughs> yeah there were there were so many so many moments like that in the in the crybaby series i keep wanting to say original because for me that was the original but it's straight up not <laughs> but um yeah going back to the original though like one of my problems with rio is like crybaby does flesh him out like he's He's got a coolness about him, both in, like, an attitude and, like, he's a little colder, but he's got more of an intrigue. Like, he's, like, kind of, like, a weird, creepy, like, refuge from Village of the Damned, and it makes it more, like, interesting to see what he's kind of got up his sleeve. And then in this one, he's just so ballistic, and, like, he's just got a gun, and he's just so loud and brash. It's like, like John said, he just kind of exists to move the plot along, and it's kind of funny because... Ryo in the original manga is kind of a meme now in the Devilman fandom because he's drawn in such a weird, awkward way and his dialogue is so stiff. Like It's laced with drugs. It's laced yeah. with drugs. Or like, you could hurt someone. That's the point. I mean, it's just so silly. Like, it's like, I cannot see the trajectory of how this character starts out this, like, goofy character to being, you know, this creepy and weirdly seductive character in Crybaby like one of the main reasons that he does everything he does is he has like a a, a crush slash infatuation with Akira slash Devilman and so here it's like I can't there is that sort of weird subtext between them but it's like it's completely run over by just how loud and awkward he is as a character like i love his outfit in the ova like he's wearing like a a weird breton striped shirt and a trench coat and then this kicky purple corset belt for some reason (laughs) (laughs) that he sticks his gun in it's like i don't understand the logic of your outfit (laughs) like everything about him is just so silly i can't see him as like oh this is going to be the person who reveals himself to be you know, Satan himself trying to blow up the world to spend time with his demon boyfriend. It's just so... It's like, I, I can't see how these OVAs would have gone if they had continued. And that, just his introduction to, this, to the OVA was weird because he's just in the woods and just walks out and it takes uh, Akira, like, 15 seconds to be like, oh, it's Ryu, what's up, dude? Like, <laughs> that whole thing was just odd. Yeah, I mean, that's how he's introduced in most. It's just kind of... He's there. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of shows up out of nowhere. You have no idea who he is, and then, you know, the thing happens. He takes him to learn about devils, and then turns him, in, turns him into Amon. I'm kind of glad that Crybaby did not do the mask thing, because it. the more I see it, the more ridiculous it does kind of come off. I mean, it was interesting in a way, but it wasn't really necessary. 
Yeah, I think a big problem there is that uh, having watched Crybaby first, I like the fact that you find out a lot of the backstory later in the series. You only you only are given a very basic premise to begin with. That uh, you know the demons are coming to the world, become the devil man, fight crime, save the world, etc. Yeah. But in here, the very first scene of the first OVA is we find out the the prehistory and the war between angels and demons. And then you have that extended scene in the middle where he puts on the mask and he finds out all about the devils then. I feel like Crybaby did that more more smartly, I guess. Like, by putting mm-hmm. that later in the series, letting the unfold later when you're developed in these characters and the sort of lie they've been living, you know, in this whole canon they've created. I feel like that's one of the major problems with uh, both OVA episodes is that maybe they're sticking a little too closely to the original here without trying to do their own thing. And I feel like the pacing's a little, like, suffers greatly for it, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the, the OVAs are taken up with these fight scenes. I mean, like John said, it's 40 minutes of setup for a fight scene in the club. And as fun as that fight scene is, like, it's not really that rewarding in terms of, like, you know, when you watch an episode of anything, you feel like even though there's more story to come, like, in that episode, you've kind of come full circle. Like, you have, like, a a resolution in some way or like a cliffhanger where I was like okay I still feel completed with this I'm like I know there's another OVA coming even though I have the privilege of watching the next one you know right after this and not three years later but it, it feels like it's it feels like it's just kind of stopping like the train has hit a wall yeah, <laughs> that's that's about how abrupt it felt. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like when you compare the, you know, uh, this to the first few episodes of Crybaby, where um, you know you find out the backstory, he takes the club, and then the, the whole summoning happens. Like in the OVA, you've got he tells the backstory, they go to the mansion, he puts on the mask. Fifteen minutes later, after we get the extended weird like pseudo porno sequence with the devils tearing into each other, abusing into each other, then they get attacked. Then they leave, then they come back, and then they go to the club. It just there's a lot of unnecessary filler. I feel like maybe because they're mm-hmm. sticking too close to the individual manga chapters, which would make more sense if you're reading each chapter of the manga, each little individual cliffhanger. But Crybaby did it all of that in one thirty-minute episode rather than a full hour-long episode. And yeah, that's what I feel like. A lot of times in both of these episodes, I felt kind of bored. Honestly, even in the, even in the greater <laughs> fight scenes in episode two, it's just like. It felt like a DBZ episode where they just keep fighting <laughs> in different areas again and again. It's like, come on, just end the fight already. Yeah, the, the mm. Shiran fight in both uh, adaptations kind of bored me. Because, like, she was just like, we were supposed to be together and rule this world together. And now you're a devil man. And he's just like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, <laughs> and like... She just, like, keeps on going back to that. And it's just, like, pick something else or, like, get this fight over with sooner. Because, or rip yes, off you're intimidating. your own arm and use it as a boomerang. Yeah, that was oh. amazing. But it was just, like, it, it, kept, it felt like it kept on going around in circles to me or it, kept, it went a little too long. I think another thing is uh, maybe not necessarily just sticking close to the original but trying to show off the animation. Um, mm. Because... It, it, Every fight scene is gorgeously animated. I mean, even the most grotesque parts, like, are are weirdly beautiful. Especially, I think, those club scenes where you have the flashing lights and, like, that really psychedelic Mm. imagery. Um, I mean, I was fascinated just for that. I mean, it's not every day that you see a woman's breasts turn into, like, 
tooth gnarly things for no reason. Yeah, like that that yeah. that was that was yeah that 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 messed me up a little bit on the inside. Not gonna lie here. <laughs> I was just like, in the, in the next time am I, that I'm looking at boobs, are they going to come to life and try to devour yeah. me? Yeah. Or like, is it okay? Like, am I safe? Well, <laughs> like, as long as you're not like Rio and just going around killing random people, like it's going out of style, I think you're okay. Yeah, I love the picture of Rio or, or, or of Akira behind Rio as he has the blood on his face after shooting. So that has been like redrawn on Tumblr and Twitter, like. 30 times over and I never get sick of it because it is like weirdly funny to me. I think we used it uh, when we were talking about uh, watching it like we were saying like hey we're doing a rabbit stream and I think that was the picture Austin used. I'm like good that was the perfect choice for this yeah. OVA was that image. That's all you need to know going in is Ryo smiling like a man, ma madman and Akira just being like I don't know about this Ryo gosh. Okay, the second OVA is uh, The Demon Bird Serin, which was released in 1990, so you had to wait three whole years to see the conclusion, question mark, Jeez. of the Devilman story, even though it's uh, not it's like not even finished with like the beginning of the whole Devilman saga. Uh, so again, we're going to go to John, uh -oh. our Devilman virgin slash novice. What did you think of The Demon Bird Serin? Okay, so from my take on it, uh, Akira is still effect, uh, still feeling the effects from the previous OVA and is still believing that he is Devil Hold on, Man. sorry. Who's Akira? Yeah. I only remember you explaining the last sorry, one. Sorry, Greg. Named Greg. Sorry, Greg. Yeah. Greg is still feeling the effects from the previous OVA, and over the time of three years or a week, however much time had passed since then, he has fought, have a crush on Rio, as uh, was apparent when he went to see him in the hospital. Don't know why, but that's just is that just is a thing now. Um, he's still going around fighting demons and whatnot, uh, and seems to have a vendetta against shirts now. Not sure why that developed, but he just is insistent upon himself and, as clear with, uh, uh, Miki, anybody else wearing a shirt as well. So, uh, near the end, he kind of gets lost in the woods and tired out, and Ryo eventually finds him and claims that it's just, uh, uh what is it, uh, supernatural, like, uh, ESP kind of stuff. And uh, even though to Akira he had like gotten badly, you know, hurt and lost an arm in the middle of the battle, you know, he was able to just reattach the arm and he was just fine. And through Ryu's ingenuity and multiple use of bandages, he was finally able to give him a shirt. So that seemed to be the plot of the second OVA as far as I understand it. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> When you mentioned the, 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 the aversion to shirts, all I could think watching this was like Marlon Brando and a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> like like the, the constant need for him to like be taking off his shirt or to wear like a, a very tight t-shirt with the, the sleeves cut off. It's 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 like, I why is Devilman hunky now? Like where did this come from? I'm pretty sure it came from the devil inside of him. 
Made me do and, it. And, like, Miki is in her constant need to be in the bathtub. Like, it's very Tennessee Williams. It's very Tennessee Williams meets, you know, demonic superhero. So it's it's a very interesting concept. You heard it here first, folks. Sully is against bath time. <laughs> If you've ever been to a con, you would know that I'm very pro-bath time and wish more people would take them there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, John pretty much summarized it fairly well. Um, I thought that this one was a lot better than the first one because it got to the point and actually did a fair bit of plot crammed into the less than an hour runtime it had. Mm-hmm. And it actually felt like it had a real resolution, whereas... The first one we had to figure out uh, three years later, if you were watching this in the 80s and 90s, that uh, Rio did not die and he actually did survive, which mm-hmm. you would not have thought based on the ending of the first one. But uh, right, he spent three years in the coma. Yeah, like I assume it was probably like a couple weeks time passed for him, like between three years. Was it really? No, I'm joking. Okay. Yeah, I assume it was like a couple weeks because they were all still, you know, the same age. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. It, it was interesting how they did this one. Like, they did it, the plot pretty much did follow Crybaby to a T, I thought, minus like details. But um, I thought that the, I'm going to basically call him Turtle Man because I don't remember his actual name. Um, Gamera. Yeah. But Turtle Man uh, took his mom's face because his mm. mom apparently found Satan's body. And so Turtle Man was like, hey, this guy found Satan. I'm going to take his face. And um, that scene was a lot less emotional, I thought, than it was in Crybaby. Because Crybaby, it was his parents begging him to save them. And as mm-hmm. well as like the other people who were uh, eaten by that guy. And they were just like, save us, and then it turned to kill us. We're not human anymore. And he was like, I don't want to, though. I want to, I want my parents. Like, I was looking forward to seeing my parents. And, like, the the music that they used in Crybaby was a lot better suited, I thought, than in this one. Like, this one was still, it was still good, and it was well animated. And the emotional payoff of his mom being like, just let me go, was still great. But it's it still was like it was impactful like it was it was rough but not as rough i thought and it kind of sucks that i was comparing it to crybaby because that's the only comparison i have and yeah but all the other fights i thought were great like gelmer was great i call him Cagnazzo because i'm a final fantasy 4 fan and there's a water demon in that game that does the exact same thing that gelmer does and I couldn't remember his name until I Googled it about 12 seconds ago. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, Shiren was also... I've already made my opinions clear on Shiren. Like, I don't really think she does much. She just kind of bitches about how they were supposed to be together and rule this world. And, you know, now they're not. So she's like, well, boomerang arm then. Don't you hate it when couples fight in public? Yeah. <laughs> And when that fight pretty much levels a very large chunk of the city. I do love in the end, Rio just sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like he just shows up and is like, no worries, bro. You lost your arm. I got you, man. We'll put it right up. (laughs) Yeah. I am glad, however, that the Gelmer uh, Gelmer possessing Miki was much less rapey in this one. 
because I that, was very concerned about that. Yeah, just the whole stuff. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> you haven't <laughs> seen Crybaby, so you don't understand. Miki was stripping and getting into a bathtub in Crybaby because she was at a photo studio and they told her to clean herself and get ready for a shoot. And meanwhile, they were behind oh. one way glass and like watching her. And it was really oh. like, oh, it, it no. was gross. The bath scene in this one really gave me a lot of like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Like it mm. almost like almost felt like a shot for shot remake of the scene where he like goes after uh, Heather Langenkamp's body in the bathtub with the claw in that movie. Right, and her family got put into the wall, uh, which I thought was like, yeah, it was pretty much Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it felt more like a horror movie than like an episode of a show where you know something was happening to this whole family who he loves and is is his family i think uh comparing uh c- comparing this to the episodes in crybaby i did like uh turtle man or uh, jinman's uh design in the ova i feel like um especially the way they animated his eye stalks were supposed to be a little more unsettling uh than what we would get later in crybaby although i do feel i agree with ryan that uh, a lot of these, the emotional impact of the Crybaby version was more uh, pronounced than here. And going into that fight with Gilmer uh, there, and I agree. Like the way they set it up was very different, uh, very, very different feel. And I think that's really the high point of the this OVA was that scene in the middle with fighting the two demons in the house. I feel like the emotional impact was kind of like off put when like, you know, he's got he's watching his mom get murdered in front of him and he's looking away and the mom's like, No, I want you to watch just like, okay, that's a little weird to say, but whatever. Well, that was more so she was she was like, You don't want to believe that I'm dead, but I'm dead. Here's the proof, so you can actually fight this guy and not die. I, I understand that. Just the, the setup to that was just odd. It was, it, it was, I feel like that may have been just like a translation error more than anything, to maybe. be honest with you. And I feel like it worked uh, better in Crybaby just because the whole theme of being a Crybaby, we see a lot more of Akira's like empathy in, in that series than we do uh, here. Where like we said earlier, he just kind of like a badass shonen protagonist. Uh, he kind of just feels like like that here, but in Crybaby we see like the major theme there is his empathy all throughout, and when he breaks down seeing his mom, you know, in that form, and uh, yeah, I think we get more of it there. Yeah, I can see that. One thing I have to mention is uh, Devilman is nude pretty frequently <laughs> in this in this second episode of the OVA, and when we were watching it, Andrew, a frequent contributor of the podcast, was watching it with us, and at one moment, um, in order to obscure Akira's uh, bodily parts, uh, uh, some demonic intestines land in a pile neatly <laughs> in just the right arrangement yeah. as to not offend anyone's sensibilities, and um, I think that broke Andrew. I think that was the moment where he just knew that he was not in Kansas anymore. Oh, yeah, he, he... Yeah. <laughs> and sort of speaking on that, I noticed that watching these that you definitely see a lot of uh, like female breast and nipples, but not once, not a single time do we see Akira's nipples. Like they just don't exist. Despite him being shirtless <laughs> I never noticed for the majority, that. they just are not. Demons present. don't have nipples. 
I, I probably well, I mean, that's not true because Siriyan, like, <laughs> she's like boobs all over the place. But it's, it's like I don't think I would have noticed his Kendall esque appearance had it not been for the you know the juxtaposition of the fact there's a lot of female nudity present that is is there for you know. Uh, erotic titillation purposes but they didn't even get Akira some nipples like come on man I mean you gotta think of the times as well nobody wanted to see male nipple back then I don't know if anybody but they did, did. I don't, I don't, I'm not actually sure if that's really changed per se but <laughs> uh, going back to talking about the designs like Jinmen and the other monsters I really kind of prefer these to the ones in Crybaby um, just because I think they're so well done I mean the opening scene of the first OVA is these angels descending onto earth and these demons eviscerating them and all the designs are just so like they take from reality they they look like dinosaurs often like even the uh, the turtle our our friend Gamera has sort of an ankylosaurus ankylo what however you pronounce it uh has sort of a dinosaur look to him and like some of them look like they take inspiration from pl- like plant life or insects or birds or like they look like monstrous mutations or nightmarish versions of everyday animals and i kind of like that because it gives them the sort of reality like you know oh maybe dinosaurs are just how we interpret demons or maybe you know regular animals are just some sort of evolution of these horrific supernatural creatures like they don't feel like you know like a goat man with horns and a pitchfork is going to come after you it's like no this is something like weird and still based in some sort of perverse reality oh yeah Yeah. i completely agree i like the designs here you know there is no blue man with red fins and black underwear chasing you like in the 72 anime (laughs) you know no, it's very weird and grotesque how uh, Akira's Devil Man appearance takes here. Yeah, we have to talk about the dub at least somewhat. I know that you guys, oh uh, we didn't watch the dub together, but I did force you to watch a compilation of some yes. of the the choice bits. And uh, oh my god, it was oh boy! <laughs> I didn't even dislike it because it just I I have a guilty pleasure for bad dubs just because they're so entertaining to watch or to listen to really just because I don't know what was going on in the minds of American anime studios back in the day like why did well, they this think was manga that UK wasn't it so this is the English that we have okay. to blame western then let's classify it as western <laughs> why they thought that these like lines were okay like, they're so horribly written. If you literally just used an actual translation, it would work so much better. I don't know why they didn't do that. Like, it seems it's like, like they, they never tried did to, that. It's like they tried to take every sentence and say, how can we put a curse word in yeah, here? Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No matter the syntax or the emotion or the mood or anything, just if we can find a way to swear, we're going to do it. And by golly, did they? I'm pretty sure there was like a part where the one of the bullies was like, you know, doing the thing with his bike whip, and out of nowhere, he just for no reason just says, "Whoa!" And like, <laughs> we're gonna have to censor that, but um, <laughs> but like, he he did like, they did just randomly put in cursing for no particular reason that I found. Give us the bunny I think kid. The thing- Frick you! <laughs> All right. <laughs> I- 
I think the thing that kills me is Akira, like, when he's, like, pre-Devil Man, he sounds a bit like, like, Roddy McDowell for some reason, and then <laughs> when he turns into Devil Man, he sounds like the Crypt Keeper, like he's gonna tell the demons a dead time story, like, it's this weird high Devil Man! Yes, exactly. It's so horrible. Like, it's nothing like... Like, he does not sound threatening at all. And then, uh, Austin, I feel bad for him. He's going to have to, like, put in the Crash Bandicoot woe so many times. <laughs> but I think my favorite line is, like, the other demons are like, Ammon, what are you doing? I'm not Ammon. He's eating shit in hell. I'm like, what? <laughs> Akira Manners, please, you're in an orgy. That's not how you speak. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of The Exorcist a little bit. It does. Like, it's that over the top. Like, I love camp, and, like, the dub is pure, unadulterated camp. Like, I don't oh, know if man. they, on purpose, were like, this is anime, you know, violent porn comics, we better put in as much, you know, hardcore stuff as possible, or if they genuinely thought, this is the this is how this should be presented to the world. Yeah, I almost I mean, feel like the director was the same one who went on to do the English dub of Ghost Stories, honestly. See, that one I actually understand, because they made a good decision. That show wasn't <laughs> going to be good regardless, and they made it something memorable. This was just like I, I we haven't watched the whole dub and I'm sure it like did an okay job of telling the story but like the acting quality was terrible first of all and like other than that like they took weird liberties like Rio constantly sounds like he's just trying to get his lines out as fast as possible Akira we need to go to this place right now just 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 deadpan straightforward bullet delivery of every single line yeah uh I'm going to make Austin put in a compilation of some of these, and like I said, he's just going to have to add the woe into everything, but you cannot miss it. Like, just look it up. Just do yourself a favor. It is on the Blu-ray. Discotheque Media released a wonderful Blu-ray of uh, these two OVAs, and it's it's wonderful quality. It has a nice translation. It even comes with um, an audio CD, like a translation of one of the drama CDs related to it, and it even says on the box, with the infamous dub. So, <laughs> Does it like, really? Yes, wow. or at least, if not on the box, they at least advertise it. I remember seeing the PowerPoint from when they announced it, and it says, the infamous dub, and then everyone in the audience is just like, woo, yeah, because it was like a, a joke in the, like, early, well, quote-unquote early Devilman fandom, the sort of, you know, wake of Crybaby, like, people went to this dub, and it became, like, a huge gag. So I'm, I'm glad that it survives, if only because... Like, I'm trying to force my friend, other Austin, who I mention frequently, to watch it with me because I think he would get a kick out of it and hmm. probably be as shocked as John was. Oh my gosh. That's probably fair, and I'm honestly surprised you haven't shown Austin this already. He, every time I try to make him watch an anime, he, like, finds an excuse. Like, we, we have not watched any of the things I've been trying to make him watch. I think yeah, um, I think Austin's too pure for this. <laughs> that oh, that is oh. a fact. That is not a fact at all. That is wrong. I know this. <laughs> you don't know my Austin. My Austin would. Oh boy. Uh, oh, you're referring to other Austin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, no. No, our Austin podcast Austin. Yes, he's he's a good boy. This, that Devil Man would break him, and I don't want to do that. No, that's partially why he's not here tonight. Like I said, if you want to watch this, the best way is to get the discotheque release. Although I'm sure if you find the Manga UK DVD, its cover is something because it looks like something like a meatloaf album cover. 
it is like the most 80s hard rock stereotype like spray painted on the side of the van cover of devil man that you could possibly imagine so like if you if you want to go cheap you can probably find that um <laughs> Uh, I think we have at least one question that we got about the OVA. Uh, Kevin from the Awesome Cast, he asked us, Had you seen the OVAs before Crybaby, and if so, did that change anything about your viewing experience? Um, well, we kind of answered the first part. Me, Tobias, and Ryan had all seen Crybaby first, but John, again, we defer to you. Our Devil Man Virgin. Well, he can't even uh, really he can't even really answer that because he hasn't seen Crybaby afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you well, think you'll well, watch? I Cry heard Baby? you guys talk about it, and so after hearing basically what you guys have been discussing, it sounds like Crybaby may not be as uh, pretty or well animated in certain aspects. Oh, no, 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 feel- absolutely not. It's fantastically oh, no? well animated. It's, it's different. Um, it's, oh, yeah, oh, it's the designs different. were different. The designs were different. Yeah, no, Crybaby is still absolutely fantastic. Like, My apologies. It just, had, My apologies. it just has a lot of differences. Right. I feel like this stuck more to Nagai's original designs, whereas Kai sure. Baby, uh, animated by Masaki Uasa and Sai and Saru, uh, a lot of liberties were taken with their adaptation as far as the designs as goes. So okay. it looks very different, uh, for sure. Let, let me explain it like this. Akira was a fan of My Chemical Romance and Crybaby. <laughs> <laughs> He definitely rocks the eyeliner for oh, yeah. a significant portion oh, of it. Gosh. And I feel like Crybaby is very modernized as well, uh, just as far as the story is concerned and the setting. Even the design. We mentioned uh, Rio looking like a K-pop boy. Uh, pretty much just a page taken straight out of that design. But yeah. we, we mentioned a lot of like recent technology. They mentioned social media spreading. Uh, it's the idea of the demons. And, yeah, like it, it, it definitely feels different. But I feel like Crybaby is a great like modern day adaptation for this classic story for sure right and it also it also cameos the original devil man tv show um <laughs> yep miki's brother is watching it in like the second or third episode oh okay so let me let me restate my stance on that uh this sounds like the designs are different between the two but i think if the story it sounds like the story was fleshed out a little bit better since they had more time in Crybaby, and that the character development uh, felt a little bit more natural, because with the two OVAs, you don't have a whole lot of time to cram all, that much story together. So after seeing the OVA, I'm willing to give Crybaby a shot, based on how you guys have talked about it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's only like 10 episodes. A Crybaby reminds me a lot of, like, Super Jail from Adult Swim, like in the way it's very col- like it's a lot more colorful and garish and psychedelic. Like this is very over the top and weird, but like Crybaby kind of goes into more of an experimental uh, look and oh. feel in a lot of areas. So okay. yeah. especially the the orgy club scene is very like the fact that there's flashing lights. They play that up and make it as much of a mind trip as possible. Like it feels like you've just took in a tab of uh, acid and you're just ready to kick back and see the show it really oh, did man. because also when i first watched crybaby i was sick like i was homesick and i think it was marissa who had told me like yeah i watched devil man crybaby and loved it and so i was like well i got nothing else to do i'm laying in bed all day i don't really have the energy to play games so i turned it on and like a lot of people were talking about it at the time too and I watched all of it. That first episode messed with my mind so bad. I was like, I'm either really sick or this is just naturally trippy. And like, it's probably a bit of both. But like watching that while I was like feverish was very entertaining. 
Yeah, so I mean, the, like the, this is like I said, tries to stick more to the, the classic uh, '80s OVA. It's very hyper violent, very gory, but Yuasa's style is by very by nature very psychedelic and trippy. So I think that's really where his adaptation shines through this is taking these a lot of these violent these uh, like violent fight scenes and making them a little more uh, a little more trippy rather than just entrails flying everywhere in a very uh, you know very typical fashion. I think that really worked well for. Uh, for, for, for the idea of Devilman as a whole. So would you guys recommend this OVA, or who would you recommend it for? So I think um, uh, now, at this point, in the, in the 20, like in 2019, I feel like you're either going to be in the old camp, where you've already watched Devilman, you're already aware of it, you're probably rolling your eyes at us talking about you know this on this episode, or you're going to be somebody new that just like had heard about Crybaby last year, watched it, like what the hell did I just watch? And maybe you're going back to investigate this older stuff like this. So I think you're going to be in one of those two camps. So I mean, if you're in the latter, great. Yes, I think it's definitely worth the trip there. It's going to be a different take on what you've seen already in Crybaby. But I still think, as we said earlier, that the animation quality uh, definitely holds up. It definitely gives you an insight into these classic OVA style there. Uh, the characterizations are going to be as solid as Crybaby or even just the uh, modern takes on like LGBT culture that Crybaby is sort of bleed through in Crybaby. You're not really going to see here, but uh, other. I mean, it's only two episodes. Granted, they're an hour each, so it's a bit of an investment, but it's not as much. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're interested in the uh, Devilman franchise, to check this out. You're basically just watching a movie. If you can handle older animation style, then this is for you. If you really don't like it but you're still interested, just watch Crybaby. But personally, I, I can handle it. 80s animation. I know a lot of people who like don't like it. They say it doesn't age well. And Those people are wrong. Well, they, yeah, exactly. They are. But like, um, that's what people say. So if you don't like 80s animation, this is definitely not for you. But if you can handle it, and like, even if you just want to compare it to Crybaby, or if you have no, uh, if you have no other experience with Devilman, this is a great place to start. It gives a lot of insight and crybaby then will flesh it out a little bit more and actually make it complete i would actually i would also argue that uh if you want to know um kind of where crybaby got its uh, origins from and you're just kind of curious like how this franchise came to be that would be a good place to start to watch it in the japanese dub but if you're really just looking for a fun time watch the english dub that would be my recommendation for uh these two ovas <laughs> and as a third option, the uh, manga is being re-released here. These gorgeous hardcover uh, collection uh, uh, volumes that have just been, uh, I've seen in the past year, have been put out. So you can check those out uh, if you're really interested to see where it all began. Yeah, it's two volumes, but I think it's Seven Seas who did it. Um, they're very, they're beautiful, and they also did Cutie Honey, so I, I definitely recommend, and I think Devilman Grimoire, which is another adaptation. Yeah, I saw uh, that recently, in Barnes & Noble the other day, actually. Yeah, it recently got re-released, too, in English. I think it's the first time it's ever been put in English, so, you know, if you, I mean, it's it's a good time to be an English-speaking Devilman fan, <laughs> so there's a lot to, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Uh, special mention, uh, one of the theme songs for these OVAs is this really weird 80s, very 80s rock song called The Show Must Go On, and it sounds like a combination of Living on a Prayer and School's Out for Summer, and 
I'm really hoping that this gets put into the episode somewhere because I just want to, you know, hear someone say, Oh, we're halfway there. Oh, devil man prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Devil man's out for summer. Oh my God. It's very 80s. Like, it, it, like, again, it goes perfectly with the Meatloaf-esque, like, DVD cover of the Manga UK release. So, you know, definitely worth a listen. <laughs> so, Tobias, where can people find you on the internet? So, uh, I'm on the internet uh, most of my days, uh, mostly on Twitter, at uh, Reverend underscore Tobias. And Ryan, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter sometimes more frequently actually lately at uh what is my twitter handle right now actually i gotta check that yeah at i know what it is it's mitchell ryan how do you know that <laughs> but i don't <laughs> because i see because i see when you like stuff or when you retweet stuff and i was like oh he changed his twitter handle and i just remembered it okay yeah my t- <laughs> why doesn't sully just do my bit for me <laughs> he apparently knows my social media better than it's i do at Mich- midshelf ryan on twitter and he's also part of midshelf gaming when is your next episode going to be coming out maybe? um probably this week now that i'm feeling better um but there's a really funny thing about us on YouTube is we're Midshelf Gaming on YouTube with no hyphen. There is another Midshelf Gaming with a hyphen that was a failed Let's Play channel that apparently got salty at us because we took their name. And in one short day of having a video up, we had more subscribers than them. So go check us out. We've talked about PS1 kart racers and launch titles. And uh, the next thing we're going to be talking about, uh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I guess why not? Uh, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man games, and you oh. can you can w- tune in as I do a sketch as J. Jonah Jameson, who is demanding Edwin and Will bring me games of Spider-Man. <laughs> so, John, where can we find you other than the friendly skies? Uh, well, maybe sometime this year I'll be on Twitter, and uh, I got a SoundCloud as well for some of the music I've done. I want to try to get back into that. Uh, I've been quiet for way too long, so I'm going to try to do more podcasts with you guys this year, and I'll try to be more active on Twitter and just do more things in general, even though, I'm, according to everybody else, I'm doing too much as it is. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens. Yeah. Also, shout out to John. He did the intro theme. Intro. He just did, actually he did the mid shelf theme. It's both the intro yeah. and closing theme for our YouTube channel, and people have said they like it a lot. So props to John. Thank you for that. And I should probably mention my handle is the Gentle Jan. That may make it a little easier to find me. Uh- <laughs> that may make it easier. Yes. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Calvacun. That is C-A-L-V-A underscore K-U-N. I was stupid enough to choose a handle that I have to spell out every time. You can change um, it. But I like it. It's like the thing I use for everything. So, like, maybe one day. Hey, if it ain't um, broke, don't fix it, man. Yeah, exactly. If you get rid and of the underscore, much... it might make it easier. Maybe. But that's pretty much the only place you can find me because I'm an old lady and I don't like social media. So, um... Anyone else have any sort of final thoughts on Devilman? Anything else they want to shout out into the void? I actually have a final thought on what you just said. I would actually think that makes you more of a millennial than an old lady because it's my experience that old ladies like social media more than most of us nowadays. Really? Yeah, I mean... Facebook, yeah. I know so many people's grandmothers who are on Facebook and they're, like, embarrassed about it because their grandmother will, like, comment on every photo they post. 
I would get rid of my Facebook if not for the fact that the Rocky Horror community like refuses to migrate to anywhere else because most of them are old. So I'm ah. stuck there for the time being. But <laughs> I use uh, my Facebook to communicate. Oh yeah, I mean most people do that too. Uh, anyone else? Any other final thoughts on Facebook? Devil Man? Elderly people? <laughs> well, thank you for tuning into the social media podcast. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you for I was, tuning in. I was going to ask if you think uh, if you think Akira would be on Facebook, what kind of Facebook poster do you think he would be? Uh, Are we talking uh, about pre or post Devil Man? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Both. exactly. Pre Devil Man, he probably would not post too much. Post Devil Man, he would probably be like, "I found this Check cool out porno Mr. today." Buns, ain't he cute? Hashtag buns. Yeah, and then post <laughs> Devil Man, he'd be like, "I found this cool po- porno," and like directly link to Pornhub. <laughs> Anyway, so that has been it for the third Impact Anime Podcast. Hey, you asked. Uh, what, a, what a fitting note to end on. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Take it Have easy. a good night, everybody.